Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John's Gospel, chapter 16. I'll read verses 12 through 15. And Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. We have been looking at the heart of Christ for his disciples now that he is exalted back into heaven. We have found that the heart of Jesus continues to be one of love and affection for us even as he is glorified at the right hand of the Father. And much of the heart of Christ and his continuing love toward us is seen in his gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what whom Jesus calls another helper sent to take his place and to continue his ministry among us. And our study has led us to this passage in the Upper Room Discourse in which Jesus here gives continuing promises of the Holy Spirit. This morning we looked at verse 13, in which Jesus promises that when the Spirit comes, he will guide them into all the truth. Tonight we look at verse 14 and 15, in which Jesus tells us of one of the great works of the Holy Spirit, which is that he shall glorify Jesus himself. Verse 14 He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. The word glorify is a verb. It speaks of something the Holy Spirit will do, an activity of the Holy Spirit in which he will bring honor and he will make Jesus to appear glorious in the eyes of believers. The Holy Spirit is what we call Christocentric, which means that he is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. He does not draw attention to himself or to his works or his gifts because the great work of the Holy Spirit is to draw attention to another and to make his glory known and to exalt the glory of Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me, said Jesus. He shall reveal and he shall display the worth of Christ to us so that Jesus appears most wonderful to our hearts so that we love him and we rejoice in him and we worship him and obey him. In all this work of the Spirit of Truth, just mentioned in verse 13, in the inspiration of the Scripture, and in the guidance of believers into the truth of the Scripture, in all that work of verse 13, this is the goal of the work of the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus. Everything that Jesus speaks of now, verses 14 and 15, must be taken in the context of verse 13 which is the inspiration of the scripture by the spirit of truth and the guidance of believers further into that truth. The great goal is to fix our attention on Jesus and all that he has done for us to exalt him in our souls, to magnify him and to exhibit his glory to us that we might see the excellence of Christ, the perfections of his person, his greatness as the Son of God, the beauty of his holiness, 
the loveliness of his character and everything about him. The Holy Spirit comes to lift up Christ, to elevate him in our minds to the highest place of the affections of our hearts, that we might glorify Jesus above all others. He shall come when he comes. He shall glorify me. And he shall do this, as Jesus says in the rest of verse 14, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. He refers to the truth, all the truth that belongs to Jesus, the truth of who he is, as revealed to us in the scripture, the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all the truth in verse 13. The Holy Spirit shall now take of all the truth that belongs to Christ and glorify him and disclose Christ to us. And the Holy Spirit shall glorify Jesus by the ordinary means of grace through the word of God that he inspires through the apostles. But he shall do this not to the exclusion of the Father or in opposition to the Father, for there is always a perfect unity within the Trinity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus explains now in verse 15, where he says, All that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that when the Holy Spirit shows you the things concerning myself, He is at the same time showing you the things concerning the Father. Because all things that the Father has are mine. And the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. And the Spirit is always taking the things that belong to the Father and from the Son and revealing them to us. The Father himself loves his beloved Son and delights to see his son honored. When Jesus was on earth, the father would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the father agrees with all this work of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes to bring glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the shy person of the Trinity, because he does not draw attention to himself, but to Jesus Christ. Whenever there is some so-called spirit who draws attention to himself and to his works and to his gifts, one is suspect because that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws attention to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has been likened to a spotlight which shines its light on another object. The spotlight does not shine its light upon itself. The spotlight shines its light upon another object so that the object might be seen. Its light shines upon another. This is what the Holy Spirit does. In all the inspiration of the scripture, in all the guidance of believers into the understanding of the scripture, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Bible itself is a book inspired by the Holy Spirit. And who is the center of all the book that the Holy Spirit has inspired? The person of Jesus Christ. Christ is the one that the Old Testament points forward to. The Gospels are the record of his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. The New Testament explains the accomplishment of all that Jesus has done. So the scriptures are all centered on the one person of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The whole Bible inspired by the Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit doing in all the Scripture? 
He is glorifying the Lord Jesus. In verse 13, he is called the Spirit of Truth. Back in chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. And so when the Holy Spirit guides us into all the truth, he is guiding us into the truth as it is in Jesus, and he is glorifying Jesus in that way. When the Holy Spirit comes, the day of Pentecost, and the day of Pentecost is like the unveiling of a great statue. And the statue is the person of Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, the veil that lies over the statue is to be lifted. And the Holy Spirit is the floodlight that shines upon the statue. And when the veil is lifted, all can see the glory of the exalted Christ. We may think of the Bible as a great treasure chest filled with the unsearchable riches and jewels of salvation. The treasure chest is locked. But Christ is the key to open the treasure chest. And the Holy Spirit gives to us the key of Christ. And by shining Christ before us, The treasure chest is opened and we find all the riches of salvation that are so freely given to us, the benefits of Christ and all that he has done for us, all the fullness of Jesus as we look to him by faith, as he is glorified by the Holy Spirit, we receive all fullness and grace from him. So this evening we want to look at three ways in which the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And the first is that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in conversion. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in conversion. This is the context in which we find our verse here. If we look back to verse 8, Jesus says here in verse 8, and when he, and he, when he comes, the Holy Spirit He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so here in verse 8, Jesus tells us of the recipients of the work of the Holy Spirit, those who are in the world. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We ourselves were all once in the world and living according to the ways and the sin of the world, and we were content to stay in the world. But when the Holy Spirit came to us and began his work in us, everything began to change because he began to convict us of sin. He began to persuade us. He began to convince us of three things, of sin and righteousness and judgment. Before the Spirit came, We had no problem. We thought we had no problem with this thing that the Bible calls sin. We were not as bad as other people, we said. We were not perfect, but we were not as bad as others, and we were basically good people. As far as anything that is called righteousness, we had righteousness that we thought was enough to stand before God. And we would have never thought of any danger of any judgment day that is to come. But when the Holy Spirit came, he began to convict us of the great evil of our sin. And he began to show us that the righteousness that we had was filthy rags in the sight of God. And he began to show us the great danger that we were perishing under the judgment of God for our sins. The Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. But it is not enough to convince one of sin and righteousness and judgment. That in itself will never lead a sinner to Christ. 
He must also be brought to faith in Jesus to be saved. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in verse 14 as he glorifies Christ. He brings the sinner who has been convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He glorifies Christ and he brings the sinner to Jesus. The same people convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment in the previous verses are now brought to faith in Christ. In verse 14, as Christ is glorified as the Savior by the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in the eyes of a sinner, Jesus is seen as the most suitable and perfect Savior that a sinner could ever need. We need our sin to be forgiven. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can take away our sin by his blood. We need righteousness that can stand in the presence of the holy God. And Jesus alone has the perfect righteousness by his holy life that he so freely gives to us who believe. And having been forgiven of all of our sins, and having been clothed in the white robe of his righteousness, we are ready to stand in the great day of judgment that is to come. We are like that publican in the temple. When he went up and he could only stand at a distance and beat his breast and cry out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He was convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But Jesus said that that man went home to his house that day and he was justified. When the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in the eyes of a sinner. Jesus appears most lovely and the most desirable Savior imaginable. And he becomes to us a willing and able Savior. And when he is glorified to us in the gospel, we hear his voice saying to us, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast him out. And we come to him willingly, and we believe in him, and we submit ourselves to him for all that he has for us. And our conscience finds peace. And our souls find rest. And we are completely satisfied in the death of Christ to take away our sin. When the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in the eyes of a sinner. The sinner knows that God is completely satisfied in everything that Jesus has done. And we ourselves are satisfied in him as well. By nature, we glorify ourselves and we think high thoughts of ourselves. But when the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, he begins to dismantle and take down our high thoughts of ourselves. He begins to empty us of ourselves so that he might fill us with Christ. We must decrease so that Christ may increase. We must be emptied of self so that we can be filled with Jesus as he glorifies Jesus before us. Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll turn to that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4.
2 Corinthians 4, I'll read verses 3 through 6. And Paul says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verses 3 and 4 describe who we were before conversion. We were those who the gospel was veiled to us. We could not see. We were in the darkness. We could not see anything desirable or attractive about the gospel. And we were in a state of perishing in our sins. And as he says in verse 4, the God of this world, the devil, was blinding our minds to the light of the glory of Christ. But down in verse 6, when the God who can command light to shine out of darkness, when he commanded the light to shine upon our hearts, our eyes were opened for the first time to see the glory of who Jesus is. And we saw the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in glorifying Christ in the eyes of a sinner in conversion. By nature, we are blind and we cannot see. But when the Holy Spirit comes and glorifies Jesus before us in the gospel, then our eyes are opened and we see him, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. People marvel when they see a beautiful sunrise in the morning. The sun comes up over the horizon Clouds in the sky are lit up in different colors. And the light rises over all the firmament so that all the beauty of the landscape appears. But there is no sight more wonderful and more precious and more lovely to a convicted sinner than to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus shining down upon our darkened hearts. Out of our darkened hearts, God commands light to shine out of that darkness. And we see the light of the face of Christ. And it is a sight that sets us free from our slavery and bondage unto sin. And if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. It is an experience that only a Christian knows. It takes place differently with different believers. There is no one set pattern by which the Holy Spirit works in this way. Sometimes it happens in a single day, sometimes over an extended period of time. One may experience one degree of conviction and another, another degree of conviction. But when the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in the soul of a sinner, there is always love for Jesus And there is always love for his word. And one hungers to read the scriptures. And one thirsts to learn more of him. And one rejoices to come to church and to hear about Jesus. And the gospel is no longer dull and boring as it once was. But the gospel is now 
a joy and a delight and the desire, the sweet desire of one's heart. In John chapter 12, the Greeks came to Philip and they said to Philip, we wish to see Jesus. And that's what happens when a sinner sees the glorified Jesus. We wish to see, we always wish to see more of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a coming out of darkness into the light of Christ. It is a turning from Satan to God, a being set free from the slavery and the guilt of sin. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in our conversion. The second thing that we can say is the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus throughout the Christian life. Back in John 16 and verse 14, where Jesus said, He shall glorify me. He did not speak of a one-time experience, but of a continuing reality in the Christian life in which the Holy Spirit continues to glorify Jesus in the soul, the souls of his people. If you remember back in John chapter 16, Jesus said, he shall glorify me. And Jesus also called the Holy Spirit the helper, which is often translated the comforter. And so the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit does two works in us. He comforts us and he glorifies Jesus. And these two works are not exclusive to one another. It is not that he is doing one. When he is doing one, he cannot do the other. No. Because very often he is doing both at the same time. It is when he glorifies Christ in us that he also brings to us much comfort. The glory of Christ, the sight of the glory of Jesus is the highest comfort that we could ever find in this world. This is what Paul is speaking of here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If we look back to verse 3, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And Paul says here, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He speaks here of the process of sanctification, in which we are progressively transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 18 speaks of the great privilege of every believer, that with an unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror, and the mirror is the mirror of the gospel, we behold the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, a transforming experience in which we are transformed into the same image of Christ from glory to glory, from one stage of glory to another. But how do we see this glory of Jesus in the gospel? And who is it that shows us this glory in the gospel. The answer is found at the end of verse 18. By the Holy Spirit. Just as from the Lord the Spirit. And again back in verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. There is liberty from blindness. And hardness of heart. So that we might see and behold the glory of the Lord. In the gospel. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit in glorifying Jesus in our hearts through the gospel for our sanctification. We see the glory of the Lord. We are beholding in the mirror of the gospel 
with unveiled faces the glory of the Lord Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are transformed by that sight. But the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus for us, not just in regard to our sanctification, but in every need we have in the Christian life. So that when the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, we see in Jesus Christ all the fullness that belongs to him and the grace and the love, the power, the great work and salvation of Christ. And when the Spirit glorifies him in all of who he is and what he has done, we are drawn to him by faith and we receive from him all of his benefits. We need the continual forgiveness of all of our sins. And the Holy Spirit continues to glorify the blood of Jesus for the cleansing of all our sins. There's a story about Martin Luther when he was passing through a very dark spiritual time in his life. And the devil kept accusing him and reminding him of so many of his sins Martin Luther began to write down a list of all of his sins, as many as he could remember. And then he turned to the devil and he said to the devil, if you can remember any more, give them to me. And of course the devil could. And so Martin Luther wrote down even more sins. All the sins that he could remember, he wrote them down. And then at the bottom of that list, he wrote one more thing. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. And the Holy Spirit glorified the blood of Jesus in the eyes of Martin Luther. And that grave gave great comfort to the soul of Martin Luther. And the same thing is true for us because we have no other hope for the cleansing of our sins in all the Christian life than the blood of Jesus and we must always be going to the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ in his death upon the cross so that we might look by faith and be washed and be cleansed and be comforted by the forgiveness of our sins. We all know what it is to have the sting of conscience when we sin. We feel the inward pain, the guilt, the shame of sin. We feel the darkness that it brings us into and we can last for a while in that darkness and that sense of separation and distance from God. But how sweet it is to our souls to once again see the blood of Jesus that is able to cleanse us and to put our conscience at peace once again. And we are able to wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. And we rest in Him again. And we are able to walk with God once again in comfort and in peace. That is the Holy Spirit glorifying Jesus in us and the Holy Spirit being our comforter in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit enables us to see the complete efficacy and the power of the blood of Jesus for our sins. The Holy Spirit sometimes uses, shines his light upon a particular passage of the scripture and brings it to our souls with a special power and glorifies Jesus and gives to us comfort and assurance. We can turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, 
and verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. There is a story of Sarah Edwards, who was the wife of Jonathan Edwards, and she was reading, she was meditating upon upon this verse, and she was overcome with a sense of her own assurance of salvation when the words of this passage came to her with a real and most personal power to her, especially that last phrase in verse 34, where Christ, who is at the right hand of God, also intercedes for us. The intercession of Christ was something that she was very familiar with. But on this particular day, when she was meditating upon this verse, this truth came to her with such overwhelming power, it was as if the words were written to her personally. She was one of the us at the end of the verse. And so she could read the verse in this way. Christ, who is at the right hand of God, intercedes for us. Not just for us, but for me. Christ, at the right hand of God, intercedes for me personally. And she recorded her experience and she wrote this. She said, when I was alone, the words came to my mind with great power and sweetness. They appeared to me with undoubted certainty as the words of God and as words which God was actually speaking personally to me. I had no more doubt of it than I had of my own being. I cannot find language to express how certain this appeared. My safety, my happiness, and internal internal enjoyment of God's love seemed as durable and unchangeable as God himself. Melted and overcome by the sweetness of this assurance, I fell into a great flow of tears. The presence of God was so near and so real that I felt scarcely conscious of anything else. How did this happen to Sarah Edwards? The answer is the Holy Spirit glorified Jesus in her heart through this text of Scripture. Not through some extraordinary and fanatical means, but through the ordinary means of the Word of God and meditation upon it. What she experienced on that day was not her daily experience. It was very special, perhaps unique even in her entire life. Such things can happen to believers as well, perhaps not to the same degree as with Sarah Edwards, but some word of God, some promise of Christ comes to our hearts with unusual personal power as if it was written specifically to us. And we feel the reality, the truth, the comfort, and the peace of it. It is the Holy Spirit who has come to glorify Jesus. And the Holy Spirit in glorifying Jesus comforts us as well. We do not have these experiences every day. They are generally only occasional. But that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not always working in us and always glorifying Jesus. The normal work of the Holy Spirit in glorifying Jesus is drip by drip and day after day. And Christian worship service after worship service as we hear and as we read the word of God. It is often unfelt and imperceptible to us, but the Holy Spirit is still glorifying Christ and comforting our hearts as well. There are times in the Christian life when our souls seem dry and lifeless. David said in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, he said, my soul is like a wineskin in the smoke. 
But the Christian, when he finds himself in a place like that, he is not content to remain there. He is not satisfied with such a state. And he cries out to the Lord Jesus to send the Holy Spirit afresh and to do his work, to glorify Christ, to comfort his own soul with the word of God. Christ comforts us through prayer. We see here in Romans chapter 8, many things spoken here about the Holy Spirit. I mention only a couple, verse 14. Romans 8 and verse 14. Paul says here, all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How are we led by the Spirit of God? By putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, in verse 13, and by a spirit of prayer in verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus before us in the gospel. And he assures us that we are the children of God. God is our heavenly father. He gives us liberty and freedom to cry out to him, Abba, Father. And this is comfort for our souls as we are able to pour out all of our anxious cares upon him. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus as our great high priest and brings us into his presence that we might call upon him in times of prayer. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, says the apostle, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ and helps us to submit to our trials when they come upon us in the Christian life. We read here in verse 28, that Paul says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and enables us to see our trials in this way. As all things working together for our eternal and everlasting good. And so we are able to submit ourselves to our trials. The Holy Spirit has always glorified Jesus and given comfort to his people in every kind of trouble and trial. Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so our comfort is abundant through Christ, the apostle said. And how is our comfort abundant in Christ? by the Holy Spirit glorifying Jesus in this way. In the upper room discourse, Jesus predicted the sufferings of his apostles. And he said to them in chapter 15, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. But then he tells them in verse 16, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For when I go away, I will send the comforter to you. And he will comfort you in a way that I could never comfort you. And he will glorify me. And he will comfort you in the midst of all your troubles. We should look at one passage in Luke chapter 24 for a moment. Luke chapter 24. Beginning in verse 14, 13, the two men are walking on the road to Emmaus. They are sad. They are downcast. Jesus has been crucified. They do not know why. Along the way, they meet Jesus. He is risen from the dead, but they cannot recognize who he is. And we read down in verses 25 through 27. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scripture. And then they came to the house of the two men. They invited Jesus in. And we read down in verse 31 and 32. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? What was it? What was it that they remembered about this entire experience that amazed them so greatly above everything else? It was not that they had seen the risen Christ in his physical body and been in his presence. What amazed them and astonished them above everything else was that their hearts were burning within them as he was explaining to them the scriptures. Were not our hearts burning within us? While he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining to us the scriptures, it was the scriptures, it was the scriptures that made their hearts burn. What was taking place here? The Holy Spirit was using the scriptures to glorify Jesus. And their hearts were burning within them. The day began in sadness and sorrow for these two men. The day ended in joy and rejoicing. And what made the great difference? The Holy Spirit glorified Jesus through the scriptures, and gave comfort to their hearts. And they were filled with such joy and comfort that we read in verse 33 and 34. And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, all the way back to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. So the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in all of the Christian life as he guides us into the truth. The last thing we say more briefly here tonight is that the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ in death. The Holy Spirit is able to glorify Jesus in our hearts when we come to the time of death and he is able to give us such sweet and wonderful exalted views of Christ that we may have comfort even as we pass through and face that last great enemy of death. Jesus tells us in John chapter 17 and verse 24, he prays, Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. This is Jesus' prayer in heaven for all of his saints that we may be with him and behold his glory in heaven. And the one who prays for us in heaven, that we may behold his glory there, is the same one who sends the Holy Spirit to us now, that the Holy Spirit may glorify him in our souls, even in this world. And so he is able to send the Spirit, even at death, to give us views of Christ in anticipation of entering into that glory and seeing him face to face in another world as never before so that we can cross the river with comfort and joy and peace in believing in the gospel. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. My power is perfected in weakness. And he is able to give us such grace and power in this marvelous way that when we are at our weakest point, even there we have the most wonderful sight of him. The 
Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. When Moses was about, about to die, God told Moses to go up to the top of Mount Pisgah. God showed Moses all the promised land in a supernatural vision so that Moses saw the promised land north to south to the sea in the west. The Puritan John Owen, when he was dying, a friend came to visit him. And Owen said this, The long-wished-for day is come at last, in which I shall see the glory in another manner as I was never capable of doing in this world. Augustus Toplady, who wrote the hymn, Rock of Ages, his last words were these, I enjoy heaven already in my soul. My prayers are all converted to praises. You remember Stephen when he was being stoned. Acts chapter 7, the Bible tells us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of God sitting at the right hand of God. And they stoned him. And he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The Holy Spirit glorified Jesus at his time of death. And Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. He said, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge shall award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. The great goal of the Holy Spirit through all of life for us is to glorify Jesus. And he is able to do so even more abundantly, exceeding abundantly beyond what we can even ask or think when we come to that time of death and enter into the world above. May the Lord Jesus grant it to us. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, bless your word to us. Use it to strengthen us, encourage our hearts, teach us great and wonderful things out of your book. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would come and glorify Jesus in our souls. Have mercy upon us. Forgive us of many sins. Help us to be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.